yeah, just kind of like remembering to make that space to take time to care for each other and to not get sucked into the kind of external feelings of having to be productive in a certain way for art making and to build space out so that we can be present for each other in community and rest and support each other in, in times when we need to mobilize as community to support people that are hurting. First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features Native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of Indigenous art and culture. Aloha mai kako o lehua ko'ulino. Hey, Hawaii. No ka'ua va'ahila o manoa ma'iau. I'm Lelehua Lanzalotti. I'm a Kanaka Maoli sound artist and musician based in Honolulu, Hawaii, living up in Manoa Valley these days, also where I'm from. And I'm so grateful to be talking to you today. There was never a time that I don't remember there being music and sound in our house and in our environment through both traditional Western lessons, um, violin lessons, and then switching to viola and growing up going to Halahulo Maiki and learning traditional arts and instruments and dance there as a child really contributed to the sound world. And especially growing up in Hawaii, being around lots of different cultures and the natural sounds of being here. So there was always sound in our house. There was always lots of music. And so those things were highly valued where I grew up. Hawaiian as a language, Olalo Hawaii, um, was still illegal. It was illegal to teach anything in Hawaiian from 1896 until 1986. So when I was born and when I first lived here, it was still illegal to teach anything in Hawaiian. Fortunately, now we have this whole new generation of students at the Punanaleo schools that have popped up that are Hawaiian immersion schools, but I'm a little bit too old to have benefited from that. So really being benefiting from Miss Colleen and Auntie Mikey Ayu's system of teaching and way of helping to pass on language and culture in the community was really important. I was really lucky to have great music teachers from a young age on both in Hawaiian studies and then also in the Western side. Uh, it was actually through Hiroko Primrose, who was a student of Shinichi Suzuki, of the Suzuki method. Um, she came to Hawaii later in life, and I got to study with her as a child. Yes, it produces great players, but it's much more about listening and coming together in these ways that I think continue to affect my approach to music as a professional now, as an adult. So the textures of some of the wine instruments, you know, you think of when you're dancing a song with 
uli uli, you don't think of the uli uli part as the rattles as being a part of the song. If you heard it on the radio, you wouldn't hear that part. But and when you're on stage in the middle of it, you have, you know, 20 people or 50 people playing these rattles constantly as they're dancing and the rhythm of that and the way it works together. Um, that is this really interesting bed of sound. Thank you. I mean, it was it's it's still a huge honor. I was so honored and surprised to be a finalist for the Pulitzer. And especially with the the cohort that I was honored with, um, with Raven Chacon being the winner last year and Andy Akiho being the second finalist. So really just a wonderful group of people. I think that the the work itself and and that year of music, I think with Raven's piece and my piece were really about how was music being presented in that year? How were things coming together? And what did it mean to bring community together? And so in in my my piece was written for a community orchestra that I've worked with a bunch that also commissioned the piece, the String Orchestra of Brooklyn. Um, Eli Spindel is the conductor. And so it was just a, a really big honor and a pleasure to work with them. They were so wonderful. They play a lot of new music and they did such a great job. And, you know, it was, it was really, really fun to, to work with them on that and have it be an honor that was shared in community. I felt like that was really more in line with the kind of work that I've been doing and, and am doing and want to continue to be doing was centered in community and this thing that was a celebration of us coming together and making space during this difficult time. And so it felt like it was a really beautiful way to honor that collaboration and, of course, an honor to be recognized in that way. So many people that are making music and and doing creative things that are present in the scene, you know, like that there's a uh, Inti Figus Vizueta, all these people that there's a capacity of so many of us doing things now that there could be two of us, you know, in this. <laughs> it was really fun. You know, it it, it felt to me like there was a, a capacity of um, thinking about this and dialogue and different ways our musics are similar or the way we think about music is similar and also so different. Um, was exciting to just think about, you know, we're still alive, we're still here as Indigenous people, right? That's that's a big thing. Like, isn't that exciting that there are enough of us making all this different weird music that we could, you know, be in dialogue with each other and in these different ways in our artistic practices. I, I really believe that a lot of my work now is focused on trying to build in the format of impact and how the community is engaged and who that audience is for and how to bring those people together at the conception of the project, not as an afterthought. And I think that that's something that, you know, especially from being a part of the First People's Fund cohort or with the Native Launchpad folks that I've worked with, um, this feels like something that that a lot of us are thinking about and doing within Indigenous artists and something that, especially from somebody like Larissa Fasthorse that I was really inspired by 
to see her saying, you know, the community is the work, the process is the work, kind of empowered me to to feel like I could also be putting that forward instead of hiding it into the into the plan of the work. Um, and so moving forward with a lot of these projects, kind of thinking about what that whole involvement in community, involvement of other Native artists or involvement of um, resource and, and how to share resource is really, really important for me in project building. And that goes into the way that I think about making space and listening with my music. My project proposal for uh, First People's Fund was centered around um, a concert that was happening kind of during the height of the, the first year of the pandemic. I was working with the city and county who had approached me to do something related to Lahaina Noon. And Lahaina Noon in Hawaii is this day that happens twice a year where the sun is directly overhead for where we are. And so it's slightly different for each island. And it was thought of as a, as a really important time of year in Hawaiian. It was like called um, kaokala ikalolo, like the, the sun rests right on top of your head. And so it was thought it's because the sun is directly overhead, your shadow disappears, your shadow goes into your body. And so because of this, Hawaiians thought of this as a time of great mana, because all of your energy and your shadow was in your body. What made it also special for me, because there had been such a long time when that wasn't a part of the culture of what we were doing um, when we couldn't have concerts. Um, so yeah, it was it was really a wonderful um, event, and I was grateful to have the support from First People's Fund, and, and also to have the Mayor's Office on Culture and the Arts be so supportive of kind of realizing this idea of having it be more of an event and inviting to the community. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've experienced as an artist and how you've overcome those challenges? Oh, um, I mean, I think right now it's uh, it's hard to think about that without thinking about what's happening right now. And for whenever people listen to this, you know, as as we're talking right now, the Maui is still kind of reeling or the whole state of Hawaii is reeling from the fires that just ravaged through Lahaina and other parts of Maui. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be safe and here, but, you know, be, I think it, it takes a toll on, on everyone emotionally. And I, I think that, you know, some of that is just thinking about what can we do? How can we possibly help more? How can we, you know, what does it mean to make art during that time? Or some of the answer I often come to is that's maybe not the point right now, you know, and spending time mobilizing and getting the word out and getting supplies and volunteering and being in it with community and things may 
come out of that or not, but that the primary thing is to kind of show up for community. And so I, I think as an artist to kind of let some of the pressure or the instinct from outside or the outside voices of that we should be working all the time to push against that and to prioritize these community efforts, I think is a, um, is absolutely what we should be doing right now. But I think that's, you know, in the wake of this, it it feels strange to talk about other things and having historically family from Maui, like I wear Maui on my body and my uhi, my alaniho. So it's just remembering to make that space to take time to care for each other and to not get sucked into the kind of external feelings of having to be productive in a certain way for art making and to build space out so that we can be present for each other in community and rest and support each other in in times when we need to mobilize this community to support people that are hurting. You know, I, I hope that there's a way to share some of the ways that people were able to mobilize and to listen to some of the the bigger issues that made this such a deadly fire that local conservationists and land use people have been warning about for a while and leftover issues from colonialism and the way that the land is used, the way that the land has been mismanaged, the way that the water was rerouted from plantations and then um, contributed dramatically to drought. So these are systemic things that people have flagged. And I hope that that now people will listen and try to not set up that community for continued bombardment of these aggravated situations. But it's just it's just tragic. I'm really grateful that people have reached out to ask me about how they can support families if they're if they're on the continent and can't be on the ground to help or donate things and and what we're hearing right now is that they're okay for items the drives for supplies and clothing on Oahu were really effective and really helpful but you know it's going to be a really long haul and so if people are interested in donating money there's the Maui Strong Fund that's the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement and other renowned organizations are connecting with Hawaii Community Foundation to disperse funds and to have one place that people can donate to together to give out money. So again, that's the Maui Strong Fund. The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First Peoples Fund, whose mission is to honor and support Indigenous artists and culture bearers through grant-making initiatives, culturally-rooted programming, and training and mentorship. Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org. Music